0: We're going to talk uh, about spiritual growth this morning. We're going to look at Peter, a man who learned a lot about growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I think he's probably one of the best people to teach us about that. And I just think it's very clear the Bible says that Christians are to be growing in a number of different ways. We recognize that even though individuals are saved, they're all at different places in their walk. With Jesus Christ, the Bible recognizes believers as mature and immature, spiritual, carnal, adults, babes, godly, worldly, fruitful, and unfruitful. We're not talking about the possessing of salvation, but the living out of that salvation. We're all in different places, just like there are plenty of human beings on the face of the earth that are all alive, but they're at different stages of maturity in their life. Some have all their teeth, some don't, depending on age or uh, whether they play hockey or not. So it's important to recognize that you and I, uh, we are all at different places in our walk with Jesus Christ. And that's fine. God has designed it that way. The important thing to recognize, though, is the Bible constantly commands us and exhorts us to be growing in that life. I think, number one, because it's very easy for us to settle down. I think number two, because our spiritual growth, unlike our physical growth, is easily ignored. And what I mean by that is, you can tell when somebody physically is not growing the way they should, whether it's a mental or physical handicap, we recognize at some point, something is the matter here. But in a spiritual life, it's very easy to live an entire life and do that as a spiritual babe. Because it's not so easily seen and recognized that the growth isn't happening. It can be, but uh, it isn't as easily seen. So I think God is constantly commanding us and exhorting us to grow. And the last reason I think it's important is because I believe, particularly in our day and age, there's a lot of one-and-done theology out there. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of emphasis that we didn't do anything to be Christians, so there's really nothing we can do after we're Christians. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who wrote The Message, was just an interview and gotten a little bit of controversy because of statements he made about his willingness to perform a gay or lesbian wedding. But uh, in the subsequent interview, because they told LifeWay, who's one of the biggest Christian publishers, said they weren't going to sell his books anymore, so then he retracted the statement, and then he had this other interview. So in a subsequent interview, I'm I'm not going to talk about that, he said this, and this is directly relating to, I think, what we're going to talk about. He said, When I told this reporter that there are gay and lesbian people who seem to have as good a spiritual life as I do, I meant it. Here's the important statement. But then again... The goodness of a spiritual life is functionally irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. We are saved by faith through grace that operates independent of our resolve or our good behavior. It operates by the hand of a loving God who desires us to live in grace and truth and who does not tire of turning us toward both grace and truth. That sounds very good in terms of salvation. The problem is that nowhere in the Bible does it ever say, that the goodness or the maturity of our spiritual life is functionally irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Scripture never has that emphasis. In fact, it has the exact opposite emphasis. And I think it's important for us to recognize that there's a lot of the emphasis of something that's not biblical out there, which is, hey, you were saved. As Paul said, if we sin so grace can abound, whatever, right? He would say, God forbid. No, there's supposed to be a growth. Tozer, in contrast, said this. We are saints by calling, our teachers keep telling us, and we are permitted to infer from this that there is no reason to seek to be saints by character. We're commanded and exhorted to grow, not to earn our salvation, but because we possess salvation. Once we have divine life, The scriptures call us to be responsible for that divine life and to have our salvation work out what God has already worked in us. Spiritual growth is only relevant to Christians, to people who possess divine life, people who have been born again. We're the only people spiritual growth is relevant to. And that's why the Bible says over and over again that it's a very important thing. The Bible is very clear that the growth of the goodness of our spiritual life is directly relevant to our faithfulness, our testimony, our prayers, our eternal rewards, our spiritual discernment, our faith, our own personal assurance of salvation, and our personal communion with God, amongst other things. So I think it's just very important, even though this seems like a very simple topic or a simple thing to say that we should be growing spiritually, as if everyone should understand that, I think it's important to recognize there is a lot of, today, a pushback against that. And there's a lot of emphasis of something that's not actually biblical. What the Bible says, which means what God cares about very much, is that we are growing. So, to look at what Peter has to say... Let's begin in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at three things Peter tells us about spiritual growth. The first is here in 1 Peter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious or good, now, I think who better than Peter knew what it meant to lay aside wicked ways and literally just follow Jesus and listen to what he says. Right? Peter, obviously one of the reasons we love him is because of the mistakes he made. We're like, I can relate to that. Paul it's kind of hard to relate to being stoned, risen back from the dead. and you know some of the things he did seem kind of hard to relate to, but Peter, We're like, I get that. Yeah, I've done that before. Peter understood as he looked at his own life and as he looks at these believers here, he says, okay, here are these evil things. These are things that we know they're not part of Christ's character. Let's lay these things aside and then let's insert instead a desire for something else. Let's insert a desire for the word of God. And the Word of God will become a place where we begin to grow, like babes grow as they drink milk. They take in that nutritious substance, and it builds them and helps them grow physically. So the Word of God will help us to grow spiritually. Again, I think it's important Peter does not see the Christian life as a one-time experience here that's easily attained. Another author would say, our Christian experience must not be an initial spasm followed by a chronic inertia. The idea is Peter actually assumes that these people who are believers already have in them a desire for the places and things that would make them grow, the word of God, and already have an experience of God that they've tasted his goodness and they want more of that, something that would push them to grow in that relationship with him because they already recognize that he is good. They've seen that in their lives and they want more of God's goodness in a personal way. The how of growth here is linked to the word of God though. It is both the how and the where. The word of God is the basis of our growth. There are other places where we grow, but they're all also structured by the word of God. What I mean is prayer is a place, worship is a place, The obvious church of God, the fellowship of believers, all those are places where the Bible says if we plug into those places, we will grow. The growth doesn't happen by us, it happens to us. Growth happens by an obedient submission to these things. If you allow me to give you an illustration of that, you get tan by submitting yourself to the sun. Well, some of us are naturally a little bit more tan already, but. If you want to grow tanner, you submit yourself to the sun. You don't, you don't actually make that happen. It happens to you as you submit yourself to that force. Many of us try to defend ourselves from that force, particularly if you don't have a lot of hair on your head. It's important. <laughs> Tozer would use the example of soap. If you wash your hands... It's not actually you washing your hands, it's the soap. You are submitting yourself to the cleansing agent, and the cleansing agent actually does the work. I love the picture D.L. Moody used when he said, I believe it was in front of a college where he had a cup that was full of dirt and a pitcher of clean water. He said, how do I clean this out? They said, pour the water in. He poured the water in, and then it was just a cup of dirty water. He said, here's how you clean it out. And he poured it in until it began to overflow, and slowly but surely all the dirt came out until he had a cup of clean water. He says that's what the Word of God does in a person's life. The Word of God, we submit ourselves to it. We can fight against it. We understand that there's people who will reject it. We can harden our hearts to it. We understand that. But in the normal process of things, God says, submit yourselves to the Word of God. Pour it into your life. And it will have a force and power of its own to grow you. Just like here at Calvary, we believe it is the word of God that does that in a believer's life. That's why over and over again, we are going to come and we're going to open our word. Because it has a power of its own. We just submit to it. David said, how can I or he's hidden the word of God in his heart, that he might not sin against God. How can a young man or woman cleanse their way? By taking heed according to your word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You want to build your faith? You need the word of God for that. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth, Jesus said. The truth will set us free. We know the word of God is a light to our path. We could go on and on in these things. It is milk for our physical frame. It is the bread of life that we can eat from. It's what every man has to live by, not just by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is a place where God says, if you submit yourself here, it will do the work in you. It's not not us trying to work ourselves up. It is just us placing ourselves under that sun, and it does the work itself in our hearts and in our lives. Paul would say to Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God may be complete or mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have to go to the proper streams, eat the proper food, build on the proper foundation, walk on the proper path. Those are the pictures the Bible gives us. If we do that, we will grow. It's not that we can't do other things. It's just those other things don't aid our growth. I can watch the eagles today. I'm looking forward to it. But they're way more likely to encourage me to malice and evil speaking than they are to (laughs) spiritual growth. You understand what I'm saying? maybe not this year but in past years that was very true so it's it's important to recognize these places are places god has designed where he says if you want to grow go there go to the word of god go to prayer god has not there's no shortcuts for for thousands of years this is how believers have grown they submit themselves to God's word. They submit themselves to prayer and to worship. They submit themselves to fellowship, the body of Christ. This is how he's going to call us. God hasn't, he hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't bowed to our nervous anxiety or the frantic busyness of the day and age in which we live. The Holy Spirit's not afraid of iPhones. Like, ah, I can't read my Bible because of my mind. God put us in this day and age. He's not shocked by that. He, he, for some reason, saw that you and I should live in the day and age of iPhones. He's, he's, but he hasn't changed his mind about these things. If we want to grow, here's what we do. We place ourselves in those proper positions where the forces that God has designed will work on our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus and through the power of his spirit. Right here is where God is calling many of us to grow right now. We need more of the Word of God in our life. Whether you've been saved for a day or for 50 years, that could still be true. Where can the Word of God have a a better place in my life? Where can prayer have a greater place in my life? Where can the fellowship of the body have a greater place in my life? Some of us, God is calling us to these places. And if we want to grow, we have to take that step to say, I'm going to put myself here. Because other places are not designed to have the influence of growth in our life. This place is. And the word of God has to be the center of that for our lives. The path of the just should be as a shining light that shines more and more until the perfect day. Peter here calls believers to lay aside these evil things and to desire that pure milk of the word so that they can grow thereby. He understands it will happen. He experienced in his own personal life the first place we can grow, submitting ourselves obediently to the Word of God. And as I said, secondarily, some of those other places the Word of God also tells us where we can go to grow in our walk with Jesus Christ. Secondly, if you go to Second Peter chapter 1, flip just to the right, he's going to talk about another type of growth in our lives. He says in verse 5 of chapter 1, Second Peter, but also for this very reason, he had been speaking about the divine life that has been given to us, giving all diligence. So he thinks that this type of spiritual growth here we should be diligent about. That's the opposite of laziness. As spiritual growth isn't some type of magic that happens to us. It's something we should diligently pursue, just like we give diligence to pursue uh, a retirement or a vacation or, uh, you know, whatever. Something else, we should give diligence to pursue this. Giving all diligence, notice, add to your faith the virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control. Self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just head knowledge. That's a personal experiential knowledge of Jesus. Not just knowing about him, but knowing of him. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Peter says, if, we, if we're if we not doing this, we have some type of spiritual amnesia. We forgot that we were born again or something. We forgot that we have spiritual life. Ten. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Again, calling them to a diligent pursuit of this. That's the Bible's emphasis. To make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. There is safety in spiritual growth that you cannot find anywhere else in your spiritual life. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You notice again, Peter here speaking about spiritual growth and where some of the things we talked about earlier were a little bit more outward, these things you will notice are more inward. This is a growth of spiritual character. This is the roots before the fruits. This is you and I being conformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Here these things this is the type of growth that's often unseen. It's one thing to say, all right, I'm going to I need to plug into church more. That's fairly obvious or to read my bible more. It's usually fairly obvious. But it's another thing to grow in brotherly kindness or in patience. That's always not as obvious or in godliness. A lot of people will never see those things. They might only be seen of Jesus Christ, a turning away from sinful things inwardly and a turning towards righteous things. Very often that's going to be missed on the outward. Oh, the effects will be seen eventually. But it's not something that's so readily seen by everyone. This is an inward work of God. As we submit ourselves to the Lord and to the Spirit's work that he's placed in us, we will grow in his likeness. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same <clears throat> excuse me image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the lord romans eight twenty nine says for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son that we might be the firstborn among many brethren jesus would talk about a man sowing a seed and that you don't really know how it grows but it still comes up He'd talk in Ecclesiastes, God would talk about a baby being born in the womb, and that's how God's ways are. We don't quite see it all happening all the time. Jesus would talk about the lilies of the field. They don't toil to make their growth happen. The growth happens to us, but there's also an unseen part of it. And I think it's very important, God is working all of us to be made more into his image and likeness. It's your character that he is changing. And that's very important because there are a lot of people that uh, I think are still very happy being Christians but do not have much of an aim to be Christ-like. And there's a big difference there. God is working to have all Christians become more Christ-like. That's what his word says very clearly. He is conforming every single one of us into his image and likeness. He is adding to our faith, adding to our virtue, adding to our patience not just the virtue itself but christ's version of those things the divine life and that growth will be directly connected to as peter said here notice verse 8 to your knowledge of the lord and savior jesus christ that's your personal relationship with him It will be directly connected to your never stumbling, as he says there in verse 10. It will be directly connected to your entrance into the eternal kingdom, to eternal rewards. It seems very functionally relevant to the Christian life. And for you and I, I think we have to be aware, in some ways, it's very easy to, uh, again, kind of ignore this side of spiritual growth. It's very easy for most of us to do things as opposed to actually be something. For most of us, it would be much easier to put away a stack of chairs than to sit at a prayer meeting and have God work through our pride or insecurity or right, control our thoughts of our mind. But these are part of, this is part of spiritual growth. This is what the Lord is doing in our lives. He's making us more like him. I think it's, it could be a slow process. Some of us can get very fed up with it. We, uh, we want it to, to speed up a little bit, but God doesn't work like that. We don't actually get to choose the place of growth in our lives. We want to. God's like, I want you to be nicer to your spouse. And you're like, I would like to grow in a philanthropy. So could you have me win the lottery? And uh, all and, and he's like no nah, no nah, nah, nah. that's not that's not how you grow in a relationship with him right he's taking the lead and he begins to speak to us so many of us we could find ourselves in maybe difficult positions with family maybe caretaking maybe at work maybe people persecuting us there's all types of places where he begins to work in us patience he begins to work in us love towards people he begins to work in us a new form of his character and his likeness he is adding to us it's not us again it's him he says without me you can do nothing we have to abide in him we remain connected to him and he becomes to work in us don't become frustrated with the process like he said you don't always see it but it's working god's work is not somehow less efficient if it escapes our gaze isn't somehow not working as well if we don't notice it and frankly most of the time we don't notice it is because it's good for us we'll notice it once we have the grace to notice it which probably means that we'll have the humility to notice it and also we can't always be feeling it or we get big heads you can't always read your Bible and be blown away or sing a worship song and be moved to tears or pray and just always be feeling it because then you'd look at every other Christian like they got some issue. right? You're reading John, you're having a hard time reading your Bible. Well, I'm reading Leviticus and it's awesome. What's the matter with you? They must have some type of secret sin in their life. I don't know. I know, he doesn't work like that. Sometimes you're going you're gonna to have to work through some issues. You're going to have some dry times. He's going to call you back to himself because you're going to be needy and sinful and you're going to recognize in your own humanity you need to be connected to a different source that's greater than you. So you need to give him patience. You need to not give up on the process when we don't see the type of work that he's doing, particularly that work that is in us. And the problem is a lot of people can begin to lose heart there. We need to just add little by little. Somebody said if we added one virtue and plucked out one vice per year, we'd be godly men and women in no time. Let him take the lead. If you plant a tree, it really doesn't look like much after two or three years. But growth has happened. The roots have gone down deeper. Its health has grown. And what happens is as it gets bigger, It begins to produce fruit. As it gets larger, it produces more fruit. As that growth and the fruit, they're proportional. They have to go together. And before God is going to work out of you, he is going to also work in you. That's part of our spiritual growth that he is looking to do. Add that little by little. We can't complain about the process here. God wants progress in our lives, not perfection. He understands none of us are going to be perfect, but he does expect us to be growing in his image and his likeness. And some of us here, that's where he's calling us to grow. He's calling us to be more like him inwardly. And maybe in our family, maybe in our work, maybe just publicly with courage or boldness, he is working something, a character in us. And when he does it, notice again in verse 5, or excuse me, verse 8. He says, for if these things are yours and abound, these things become a real part of our character. They're yours. You possess them. That that patience isn't something that you had once in 1962. (laughs) Or brotherly love isn't something that you had on that one occasion when that person deserved it. It becomes a real part of your life and character in Jesus Christ. That's what he's working. And when there's a greater likeness, there's greater fellowship. That's why he's working that. One day when we're glorified, we will have the purest fellowship with him. But until then, it's very important to him that you and I are growing. We're adding to our faith. <clears throat> we're being made more like him. One more place, the end of 2 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm stealing Brian's water. <clears throat> Hopefully he doesn't need it. Sorry, Brian. Second Peter 3. We're going to begin verses 17 and 18, right at the end of the letter. <clears throat> Peter would tell us this. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the error of the wicked. But in contrast, again, growth is a safety in the Christian life, not physical, but spiritual. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, that's not just head knowledge there. That's an experiential knowledge of him. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter teaches us that our growth here has to be balanced. We need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter understood this, again, very well. He could both look at Jesus and say, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. But yet also follow Jesus when he called him. He could get out on the water and then start to sink in the water. He could confess Jesus... You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then a short while later say, not so, Lord. And Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan, right? Like Peter understood, we know, arguing over who is the greatest, denying Christ. And yet then saying, Lord, you know that I love you and following him. In Peter's life, he he experienced this balance of Jesus. Jesus wasn't all grace and he wasn't all truth. He wasn't all liberty. He wasn't all legalism. He was both. Peter, you're wrong here. I'm not like that. And here's the grace to continue to follow me. And wherever Peter saw evil in his own life, Christ would bring the goodness of his own life into that. We have to, if we're going to grow, we have to have a balance in our growth. You are going to have to have grace with yourself. You're going to have to grow in grace. Because as you walk with Christ, you are going to see the more mature we are actually in our reality and walk with Christ the more you're going to walk in the reality of who you are and who he is. The reality of your own sin, your own wickedness, your own evil motives and selfishness, sins of omission, the things that you admit to do, things that a young believer might never see. You first get saved and, you know, before you were planning to murder somebody, now you're not. You're just punching them and you think you're doing good. Or you're on heroin, now you're like, Shh, I know I shouldn't do that. Maybe marijuana's all right, though. You're trying to figure these things out. And God's fine with that. You're growing. We, we understand certain things. Our language starts to change. Some of these very outward things begin to change. But if you've walked with Christ for 30 years, you should be past some of those things. And what he starts to do is he says, that, that thought right there, that's not for me. That motive right there, that's not for me. That selfishness there, that's not for me. That attitude, that's not for me. Now these things are out of your life. Now I want to start seeing things in your life. And, and any walk with Jesus, you are going to see where you lack and where he's different. You're going to see your own sin. And you need grace to do that. You need grace to recognize your own sin and you need grace to experience how he calls you even in that. Peter knew he was a very sinful man. And for Peter, it was kind of obvious to everybody else that he was a sinful man, too. And he needed his grace to follow him. I will say this I think it's very important, particularly for those of us who have walked with Christ for some time. We don't become more wicked when we see our faults. We're not all of a sudden more wicked when they are revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. He already knows that's what we are. He's trying to work on those places. But there is a problem a lot of times. We know we're wicked people. But we don't want other people to know we're wicked people, right? Like, I might know that I'm mean to my wife sometimes, but I don't want to be mean to my wife in public because then it'll be like, here, aren't you that pastor guy from Calvary? What are you yelling at your wife for, right? And reputation can get in the way of real spiritual growth because we stop dealing with the reality. Christ can work through our wickedness, but not if we begin to justify it or hide it or protect it, or attack some uh, avenue that it begins to be brought to light in. We, we can't allow our growth to be hindered by what other people might think of us. I'm worried about what other people are going to think. if I know my marriage is messed up, but what if other people find out? I know my testimonial work is messed up, but what if other people find out? I know my attitude is messed up, but what if other people find out? That right there, that reputation, that has to die. Christ made himself of no reputation. It will hinder your growth in Jesus Christ. We need grace. We need grown grace. We need to be able to see ourselves as Christ sees us and also respond in the way that he would have us respond. We can't allow the sting of other people knowing being worse than the original sin itself. It has to be repentant of, and we have to say, all right, Lord, I don't want anything to hinder my growth in you. Sin doesn't have to hinder, necessarily, your growth in him as long as his grace meets it and is brought to the light. Allow him to do that work in you. Not only do we need grace with ourselves, but we're going to need grace with others because as you do this, you will begin to grow. You'll begin to change as Christ reveals things to you. You'll be made more like him. He will change your inner car- character. You will change your outer works. He will invest more of his word in you. There will be a greater maturity. There, it will be seen. There's a Christ-like character in your goals, in your humility, and in, even in your speech. And you will see other people who are less mature in Jesus Christ. And that's perfectly fine. Because it's not somehow prideful to recognize a maturity and a lack of maturity because a real maturity in Christ will care for the more immature person. The the greater maturity in Christ will also be proportional to a greater Christ-likeness and a greater humility. And the Bible says the strong will use their strength not to please themselves but to help the weak and to encourage others. And you will have to have grace with other people too you have to have people, grace with people who aren't at your place. You can't, you can't force them to move at your speed. You're going to see somebody who's been you know, born again for a month. You can't say, hey, you better get that predestination thing down right now, buddy. Or, or you know, expect them to uh, be exactly like the way we are when we've walked with Christ for 30 years and he spent a whole lot of time with us. That, there, there has to be a certain amount of patience and grace extended towards others. And you'll also need that grace for others because the reality is a mature Christian view on just about anything in life is going to catch you some flack. People aren't going to like it. They're going to get annoyed. They're going to get bugged, both saved and unsaved people. Most of you know, just try to work like a real Christian at your job. People get annoyed. Come on, man, you're showing us up here, will you, right? there. A a mature Christ-like attitude at work, people are going to get annoyed. A mature Christ-like attitude in family, people can get annoyed at that. Friends, well, you used to do this with us. What do you mean you're not doing that anymore? You're just as wicked as us. No, that's the point. Oh, yeah, you're right, I am. No, you're not. You're growing. You shouldn't watch the same things or talk the same way or act the same way. There should be growth. And that part of your Christian growth is going to be pressing through, Some of what people get annoyed at as you grow. Most of the time it's because they're convicted. And they're like, right now this person's doing this. Now I'm convicted about it. They're annoyed. Some of those people are going to continue to be annoyed. Some of them are going to be happy that you grow. They're going to respond to it. They're going to want to grow with you. Some people will come back later and be like, you know what, you're right. I'm sorry I gave you a hard time about this. So there's a process We're going to have to carry our own cross. We're not supposed to lay one on the shoulders of others. But that doesn't mean we're not still growing. We should take every step that he encourages us to take, every step that he puts on our heart, every single day with Jesus Christ is worth it. If you ask Peter, is there a single day with Jesus Christ that was irrelevant in the grand scheme of things? I think he would clearly say no. And I think you and I, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We walk with him. And there's not a single day, whether you've walked with Christ for a day or for 50 years, that is irrelevant in that process. And nowhere does the Bible ever command us to discourage or dissuade somebody else who takes a step of spiritual growth. Don't be that person. Because Jesus isn't telling you to do that. Nowhere, anywhere in the Bible is there an emphasis to dissuade dissuade or discourage somebody who's responding and taking a step of spiritual growth. They They don't have to do that for their salvation, but they do have to do that to grow in him, to grow in their relationship with him, to grow in grace and in, notice again what he says here at the end, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ It's a personal relationship. Like I said he takes the lead. He speaks to us. We don't we don't choose what that growth looks like. We abide in him and he speaks to us. I'm going to grow you here in your family or with your friends or with with ministry here. I want you to begin to serve other people. Or I'm going to grow you in this area. I'm going to teach you to be humble here. Or I'm going to teach you how to respond to me. He's the one who's making those decisions. We all have a personal relationship with him. Things that Jesus was saying to Peter were often different than what he was saying to John. Sometimes he would tell them the same thing, but many times he would tell them individual things. And they needed to respond to that. And you and I, have to have a balance of grace to continue to follow him when he shows us our faults. That's fine. It's because he wants to conform us into his image and likeness. We need to then respond to those things and walk with him. And we'll be made more like him. And we'll be in deeper fellowship with him. And he'll be working in our lives in new ways. And what that will do is, it will give us a greater knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the end, spiritual growth is relational growth. That's what it is. It's not head knowledge. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. The most spiritually mature people in the world are the people who have the maturest relationship with, the, with their Heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ. That's, that's what sets them apart. John says, excuse me, Jesus says in the Gospel of John that this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's what eternal life's about, knowing Jesus And we have a head start. And he is very concerned that you and I would be growing in grace and in the knowledge of him. Go where you're supposed to go. Surrender yourself to those things. Let him be conforming you into his image and likeness. He will give you grace in the process. I think Peter looked back at his life, and he was probably just like, God, thank you for your patience with me. Thank you that you allowed me to keep following you. Thank you for your continually calling me and the grace that you extended. And as I said, I don't think he regrets a single day of giving himself to that process, nor should you and I. So let's stand, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know... um, the necessity of the things that we spoke about in our hearts and lives individually, Lord. Certainly, I don't know everyone here in this room on a personal level, but you do. And you love each and every one of us. And you're drawing us toward yourself. And I pray, Lord, that you would ruin any hindrance the enemy might bring up to our pursuit of you. That you would, Lord, allow us to push through any sin that would want to choke out the work that you're trying to produce in our hearts and in our lives. And we thank you for the grace that you've extended to us and the work of your son and that you are the one who calls. You're the one who starts this. You're the one who's constantly beckoning us. You stand at that door and knock, and we want to respond to you, Lord. We want to sit and have fellowship with you. So I pray for all my brothers and sisters here and myself, Lord, I pray you would allow us to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Mike Foch. If you enjoyed the message, you can access more of Pastor Mike's teaching ministry by visiting ccphilly.org.